you're listening to the Real Estate Insider Podcast. A bold look at reality. News, analysis, strategies, and opinions direct from the veteran team at the Rain Research Institute. It's time to get on the inside track. Hey everyone, it's Madison Norton here from the Real Estate Investment Network, and this is the Real Estate Insider Podcast. If you were with us at the Acre Live event in Toronto this past weekend, chances are you're ready to get out there and dominate the real estate investment world. We had hundreds in attendance learning how to buy cash flow real estate, and I think it'd be safe to say that the most serious business deals were done on Saturday night at the Cocktail Social. Definitely a great time had by everybody that was there. This week, we're back with part two in our mortgage financing series with Russell Westcott and mortgage expert Callum Ross. Russell and Callum continue their conversation on the mortgage market and what it means for you and your real estate portfolio. Some of the questions we tackled last week really got me to thinking. How does the average property buyer handle all the details if they don't have an outstanding broker on their side? Here's a personal side note. I recently bought my first investment property at the beginning of this year, a huge win for me for 2014. And I have to say, without question, having an experienced mortgage broker on my team made the entire process nearly foolproof. And that's not even an exaggeration. We even ran into some challenges going through the process and by having someone who has seen every situation possible, it made the decision-making process pretty painless. My personal opinion, use somebody who knows what they're doing. I'm not an electrician, so I'm not going to go out there and rewire my house. I'm going to call somebody who knows what's going on, knows the right tools to use, and knows how to get it done. Same thing goes for mortgage, mortgage financing and for the real estate market. So you want to get the right people on the team, get them involved early, and you can't go wrong. Just remember that you should be fully engaged in the process alongside them. No use going through the motions and having to relearn the details on your next deal. So here we go with Russell and Callum for part two of our mortgage financing series. So Callum, talking about financing walls, mm-hmm. I come up and I run into people all the time that, you know, they say, I've got three properties, I've got four properties, I've got six, ten, whatever the number is. And then the next thing is, I know exactly what the next thing is. The next thing out of their mouth will say, the bank says I can't get any more mortgages. Can you help somebody in that situation? Uh, the, um, I'll say if it's within the universe of possible. Actually, the, I mean, it's not like I like doing you know, complicated things because one of the things that will piss me off is someone's like, oh, yeah, I want to use the bank for the other ones and I'll give you the hard ones. It's like that's not the way this relationship works. <laughs> the, uh, once we come on board, if we're not going to get the rest of them, we just won't take the client on because you know we violate minimum wage laws to structure these deals, right? We have to get the relationship. Um, there's always a way. But people need to be mindful of the fact that just because they bought a property and the numbers make sense then, probably one of the biggest problems I see within the RAIN network, and again, this is a blessing and a curse, is that you buy an area that's got positive economic fundamentals, and what happens to the value of the property? It goes up, right? Now, if your value of your property is going up and your rent is not going up, are you still meeting the rules that we say in the system? The answer to that is no. The, uh, so you got to realize that if your income is not going up relative to the value of the asset, yes, your net worth is going up. However, your pure bankability 
um, for being able to leverage up those properties goes down. And so you've got to be mindful of the fact that managing a real estate portfolio is not about buying the property. It's about managing it in a prudent manner, the same way you would your cash flow, the same way you would your investment portfolio. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's a process and uh, it means that you have to have annual reviews and it means that you need to come back and revisit it. There's all too often that people get fixated on having a number of doors. I really don't care how many doors I own. I want to know what my cash flow is. I want to know what it's going to do for me in the long term in terms of my forced savings mechanism. Um, and uh, people need to look at those real estate assets the same way they would any other asset. And that means that they have to you know, be proactive and taking a look at the real measures on it, understanding the real numbers and, uh, and making good decisions from it. Now, you mentioned something about being proactive and having a um, portfolio analysis or a consultation or something. You said something to me at this this past acre program they had that was actually quite impressive. And, and you just said it so nonchalantly that I had to actually stop you to say, what did you just say? <laughs> and it was it was as follows, is that anytime you've had a consultation with people at one of the acre programs, you have been hard-pressed to not find a time that you've been able to save them at least $1,000 in some way of structurizing or optimizing their portfolio and those kind of things. What, what do you do during those consultations with people? Well, I mean, it's funny because, unfortunately, this is where I say, if you've dealt with some mortgage person before and you say your mortgage person is great, and I say, well, do they have any formal personal finance training? If the answer is no, I know that your portfolio is in trouble. The, uh, unless you actually happen to passionately self-taught yourself. So I'll give you an example of a few of the ones that we look at. <clears throat> so one is the, you know, uh, they get fixated on a penalty, paying a penalty to get of a mortgage. Well, that penalty, when you're making it for the expectation of profit, is more often tax deductible. Um, and so you've got to proactively manage your mortgage just because of the cost to get out of it. It's a cost to get out of some investments, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't sell them. The other one I would say is that, you know, when you sit back and look at their portfolio, they're taking the extra cash flow from the individual property and applying it towards that property. Now, Russ, if you and I were having a conversation and I said, hey, we've got X amount, of, if we got $100,000, we can put $100,000 into investment A, it returns 5%, or we can put it against investment B, it returns 10%. Where would you put that money? Investment well, uh, B. Yes, C. there you go, right answer. <laughs> And but why don't people do that on the debt side? They take the income coming in and like, oh yeah, we've almost paid off our three percent interest rate. I'm like that's great. It'll be super because then after you paid that off, you can pay your four and five percent one. That makes a lot of sense. If you've got extra cash flow, you make the minimum mortgage payment possible on the property that has the lowest interest, the maximum possible payment on the property that's got the highest interest. Now People don't think about the impact of that in the long run, and yet at the same time, they're like, I don't want to buy any real estate investment mortgage because it's 0.2% higher. Um, they've got to really understand the math. And I mean, again, I know that it's not that interesting a topic, but it's, it is interesting because of the outcome. Because if you learn the rules of after-tax costs and after-tax rates of return, you can make intelligent decisions. Another one that I see um, over and over and over again is... Husband and wife make different income. Wife makes way more money. Husband makes no money, and he's the guy who does the fix it up. And yet they own the properties equally, and the income flows between the two of them. Um, you know what? We have a progressive tax structure in Canada. And so you want to have the lowest income spouse getting all the income from the investment property. In the event that, you know, death does not do you part and you part 
by divorce the way 50% of couples do. It's still part of it's still part of net family property, and your asset is still protected. But along the way, you've done a very good income splitting goal. Um, and you know what? You have to be mindful of you know making sure that you're being proactive in making sure the actual costs are being managed making sure the revenues are being optimized. And, you know, it's great that you like your tenant, but, you know, if you want to get friends, go out and socialize. I'm not trying to be mean to my tenants, but if there is a market rent that's $200 more than what they're paying, then friend or no friend, they're getting market rent or above. Um, you know, the uh, I didn't actually have anywhere on my mission statement um, own rental properties to increase my social life. <laughs> Or your charity contribution, right? The uh, I'm the uh, I, 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 it's not on my my charity list is not to my tenants. Wow, and and I tell you what, I'm a, I'm a personal example too of of having uh, just a quick consultation talk with you about yeah. restructuring one of my mortgages. You showed me way that, and I had that whole thing about a, there's a huge payout penalty, but you showed me I could restructure it over to this other bank. They are offering a cash back mortgage that was more than what the payout penalty was, plus it actually put almost $2,000 in my pocket, and I got a lower interest rate. So in all yeah. that in a 15-minute conversation. Thank you. I mean, you know, and like you say, sometimes you forget. It's like, you know, the people who've been doing something for a long time. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm well aware that I'm a freak in many ways and I've been trying to slow my mind down. But, you know, I've been doing this for so long. I'm always amazed that I see this mortgage person who hands over a portfolio. There's like, there's a problem here. You know, the, we had three deals this week where like the only problem was they didn't have a competent mortgage person. There was no problem with the client. But you have to have had the experience, right? So one of the things that we do here, and I know Jen's might make me fun of me saying fanatic, but anytime we have a problem that goes wrong on a file and a client's unhappy, we, you know, we do look at the positive feedback. But if anything's unhappy, we always say, okay, and it, what did we do wrong here? Was it we selected the wrong lender? Did we select the wrong client? <laughs> the, um, did we you know, not manage the client expectation or did we drop the ball? But we want to study what went wrong in a file so that if it happens again, we remember the solution. And so you know, there's a universe of sol- things that are going to happen during a, a mortgage transaction. But you know, when you've been doing this long enough and you know, we're a little north of $1.7 billion worth of transactions and never had a file not close, um, you know, we, we can really learn a lot about ways that you can shuffle things around and make things work within the system. And when you know the rules of the system, and it's why I have our team, you know, every day we start with our, our, our daily uh, client review, and then we have a more in-depth one on Monday and a team training on Wednesday, and everyone's got independent learning plans. But it's part and parcel of what we do is lending and improving, learning and improving. And I think that if you're not learning and improving and you expect to be a successful long-term real estate investor, I don't think you've got a realistic perspective because, um, you know, the best of the best, and I find this all the time, that I'm always struck by at rain events um, when I look around, uh, people, of course, you know, in the room that we're in, I know who's got the net worth or I know who a lot of them are. Um, And more often than not, it's the most successful people who are the ones who are sitting at the front. They're making notes. They're applying things. I I can tell you I've never once listened to a a rain event or gone there and not taken away a great pearl of wisdom. The... uh, and, uh, you know, I think that people need to realize that lifelong learning, uh, particularly in the field of real estate, is, is something that uh, you want to be mindful of. And if, you know, you had a, a $2 million stock portfolio, you'd probably be pretty interested in your own stock market. And so I would expect that people apply that same type of principle to, um, you know, making sure they, they understand the rules of getting capital and the rules of managing that real estate portfolio. 
All right, there's been lots of people, Calum, that have been either putting it on uh, Twitter or sending in questions or something like that. They want you to pull out the, they want Kreskin to pull out the crystal ball and give us a forecast on interest rates. Okay. Um, so knowing what you know now, that's mm-hmm. what's happening. You know, we just saw Bank of Montreal. We saw big banks lowering under 3% again for mm-hmm. some, fixed, some fixed products. What do you, where do you recommend people putting in, fixed or variable, or what do you see for the future? Um, well, I mean, I, I'm fundamentally not a believer of fixed or variable. It really brings down to the person's risk tolerance, and that's not a cop-out. It's just point blank. It is what it is. I mean, I've, I've gone through this explanation before, is that, you know, if you look at the difference in payment from a fixed versus a variable, and you think that difference in payment is a you know, a good deal, then you should probably go longer-term fixed. If you think it's, you know, a rip-off, then go short-term and variable. If you don't have the flexibility in your cash flow or the liquidity in your net worth, it's easy. You don't have an option. Go fixed. The, um, but, you know, I will tell you that based on what I'm seeing in the economy today, and, you know, I, uh, that is my background, so I follow it pretty diligently, I need people to understand that anyone who says they can predict interest rates is either an economist, it's their job, they have to say, um, or they're lying, <laughs> or they've got a grossly exaggerated opinion of themselves because we're an export-driven economy, which means we're reliant on other economies. But what I will tell you is that our biggest trading partner, which is the U.S., is showing some signs of economic recovery. I'm not sold on it yet. Um, and what I will tell you is that in the absence of inflation being in our economy, we are not going to see short-term interest rates move up. In the absence of inflation being in our economy, we are not going to be sitting in a situation where there's going to be big difference between short and longer term rates. However, I will point out that the quantitative easing, the U.S. Federal Reserve is backing off, so this is them. They're no longer buying mortgage bonds, which means they're taking cash and putting it in the economy. That doesn't mean they're backing off of it. That means they haven't even gone to a neutral stance yet, which means they're not injecting money into the economy anymore. Um, they're going to be really mindful of not choking off that recovery too quickly. Um, there is no indication that the U.S., by any measure, uh, their GDP numbers came out today at 2.6. They were expected at the high end of 3.2. Um, you know, they do have some consumer spending, which is, you know, some strong encouragement, but uh, under no set of, you know, modern Western capital market conditions is anyone saying, wow, we're about to let the world on fire. Um, Anyone who thinks that interest rates are going to go up very quickly, um, I think is delusional. Right. Well, that's, so what are you seeing right now in the, in the difference between fixed and very, and basis points between? Mm. So right now what's happening is we're getting a, um, uh, a real um, uh, move around. It's funny because what, what happened today was this, you know, um, uh, Bank of Montreal announcement, it was very counterintuitive what was actually going on because um, when you look at the bond market, which is really where they price fixed mortgage rates off of, um, you know, what was happening is the bond market has been going up. And the bond market has been going up because of a number of reasons that uh, mostly based on the, um, the U.S. Um, things. But, I mean, it's been going up gradually, but it's certainly not a source for concern per se. But what I will say is that um, when you actually look at uh, the bond market and uh, the movements, um, when you start to see a long-term trend of uh, the five-year fixed bond going up, one can expect to see five-year fixed mortgage rates go up. What we saw today was really just a change in the discount. It wasn't a change in the actual mortgage rates. Um, when you look at the Bank of Canada's website, and, you know, of course, I do have it bookmarked, um, the, um, you want to be looking at the key inflation control target. 
Um, and that number here is at 1.1. Between 1 and 3% is the acceptable operating band. When it gets below three per, above 3% is when it starts to look at um, you know, increasing interest rates. Um, the core CPI, the first one was the total, um, is actually uh, still uh, at 1.2. And again, that band is also 1 to 3. Um, so there is no measure out there right now that would give us an indication um, that they're going to be moving interest rates. There was some talk about that based on the idea that, you know, you've got a new guard coming in. Um, I can tell you that if that new guard comes in and increases interest rates, um, they uh, will be short-lived. Right. So basically, to your best of your knowledge of everything you you see, you're not seeing things going up anytime soon. And you'll let us know when you start seeing those indications? Of course, yeah. I mean, the, right um, after you change your portfolio first? Yeah, the, well, no, no, no. The, I do it the other way around. Uh, the, uh, anyone will tell you that the uh, I also the client stuff first. A number of times I'm like, crap, I forgot my own. Um, you know, it, Jen will tell you that he, um, anyone who follows me on Twitter, so that's at uh, Callum Ross T.O. Um, you know, again, if you're a Rain member, you know, you're from Rain, you're welcome to also the. Join me on LinkedIn or, or join me on uh, on Facebook, and the, uh, just you know, if you add me, we've got no common friends. You don't mention that it's got to do with rain. I, I will not add you. Um, but um, the uh, and I just want to point out that um, we're watching this every day. I mean, if you look beside my desk, I Jan will tell you I've got a chart of every economic release that's coming out this month, what it's expected to be, and I'm watching what's going on. I mean, plus you know the benefit I have of you know having done both an undergrad and MBA in finance. I probably know way more boring people than any person on this call. Um, so, you know, there's, got, there's, there's something to be proud of. Well, the, uh, listen, <laughs> the, put that um, on your tombstone. <laughs> I'm just saying that the, um, you know, the stereotype about MBAs and finance is not that far off. I got to tell you that the number of times they had me sitting in the back of class going, Callum, enough talking. Um, but I will say that the, um, I have, you know, numerous friends who are traders and investment bankers and, um, you know, I have access to, you know, some of the best minds and some of the best reports that are available. Um, and so the very few things ever happen in this economy that surprise people. Um, and I would suggest that, you know, people are regularly following, you know, what I've done and you can go back through the last year and a half of presentations I've done. And I think I've done a pretty good job of predicting what's going to happen in the mortgage market from an interest rate standpoint, as well as rules. Um, and it's because they don't want to surprise the marketplace. People who are truly watching um, should have very few surprises because it's not in the best interest of our financial system or economy. It's not good for consumers. It's not good for the credibility of our government. Um, you know, they want transparency as much as possible. When you, when you quote unquote, spook somebody who's already a little bit spooked, it's not a good scene. Correct. The, uh, which again is like if they start to increase interest rates, uh, I can assure you it's going to feel like a you know an eternity the, uh, before they turn that pot up to boil. Well, fantastic. So I've got um, people been jumping in on Twitter here, Calm. I'm going to fire you a few uh, rapid questions off if you don't mind. Uh, rapid is like my rapid, favorite. Rapid fire. This is like this is <laughs> like the bonus. Those. This is the bonus round. So yes. and I know you and I know you don't talk very fast, so I know we can't get too many of them. Okay. Yeah, I'm normally pretty mellow, so yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> Uh, Mark Rivers. Uh, hey, Mark, how's it going? Good to, good to hear from you. He wants to know about the rule changes and 80% rental offsets. Are those still applicable for real estate investors? Um, the um, Okay, so they are, they are done on, a, on an exception basis with a couple of lenders. Um, they have to be shown on, typically on an income tax return. Uh, for all intents and purposes, um, that, uh, that creature has become extinct, uh, but there have been sightings. 
There have been so it's, there have been sightings. <laughs> yeah, the, it's uh, almost like Sasquatch. Yeah, you know it exists, like Sasquatch, but you haven't the, seen uh, it. No, no, no. We have been able to get it. The um, but um, you know they're just few and far between with lenders, and and their numbers have to make sense. They have to be strong. You know, before they would do it, the um, even on weaker applicants. I mean. Yeah, I joke all the time too, and that you know, banks are great institutions that will, you know, once you prove with certainty that you don't need money, they'll be happy to lend it to you. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, keeping a little liquidity uh, handy and making sure that you are um, uh, in a position where, uh, with certainty, you you know, always file your income taxes on time, pay your spousal support, child support, um, and uh, look after your credit. And uh, there's uh, there's always uh, always different things to. Yep. to be- now uh, another another Mark. So I guess you have to be, if you're on Twitter, if your name's Mark, you get the front of the line here. So this is from Mark Weedenborner. He needs a new car. Yes, <laughs> and he has two new two rental mortgages are coming from Renew, but he still wants to qualify. Does it matter if he leases or buys a car? And when it comes to renewing and refinancing. Well, if he's going to buy the car and have a cash have a payment, then uh, they'll both be the same. But um, no, I, I, look. If you add a liability that you have a monthly payment on, the the answer is it will impact you. It's just how much it will impact yeah, you. Yeah, if That's there's a the, payment, you got to add it in. If there's a payment, the uh, payments being added in, not good for more borrowing. Payments being paid off, good for borrowing. <laughs> right. I remember a funny story. I was in um, one of the times I was talking, to getting a car, and I was um, getting into a lease, and I sat there, and the person, the salesman, was just about ready to make the close, and I said, you know what? I have to phone my mortgage broker to talk to them about that. And the person looked at me like I had two heads. And he goes, he goes, no, you don't have to qualify for a mortgage to get this. And I said, well, you don't understand. I have to understand if I'm getting a payment on this, how it will impact my ability to get more money with my rental properties. Right. The, um, and I think that the um, that is a, a great example of something that you know we're here to help people. And when someone's, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, if you're you know calling me to get the answer because you're the other mortgage person that you don't think is very competent that you've been using to your mortgages, I can't answer it. Then I'm not. Maybe perhaps going to be um, as a uh, you know receptive on it. But you know, for someone who works with us all the time, like a client, I mean, you know, if there's a question around lending, borrowing. Uh, personal finance, investing, estate planning. Um, I can say with a high degree of certainty that if we can't answer the question on our team, um, we will be able to point you in the direction of someone who can answer it. And so, you know, don't make that decision on your own. The point of having a network of the people. Look, I mean, I ask you about stuff, Russ. I mean, I ask all kinds of people. Um, I draw into all the expertise. I draw into the expertise is because I trust their judgment. And it's impossible, you know, I'm a avid reader and you know i'm a reasonably bright guy um and there's still a ton of stuff that i don't know um you know you have to reach out to other people and and, and make sure that you ask those questions first and you know the true mark of brilliance is uh knowing when to ask and so reaching out to your mortgage person which wasn't me at the time which different conversation the um was a good the good thing to do Oh, fantastic. Uh, question here from Art Art Lee. He's wanting to know about thoughts on pre-construction condo purchases and financing. Mm. I don't have all the details, but I might he probably maybe <clears throat> the options are if he's buying a pre-construction. Yeah, so the uh, this is a tougher one. So um, uh, here's what's happening behind the scenes. Um, you'll notice that some lenders are saying that, you know, and some of the new lenders coming into the marketplace are saying they don't do high-rise um, condos. Um, then you've got some of these other ones who, you know, it was tabled at one point they were going to pull the high-ratio mortgage insurance off of condos. Uh, there's also been conversations about um, whether or not they will do a higher premium for condos because of the relative market risk. Um, you know, 
there were also points dating back, you know, I think it was like maybe nine years ago where if you were buying a condo, you had to put 10% down, not 5% down. In my opinion, the fact that they're allowing condos with 5% down, given how much they can vary in value in the supply, um, I don't think is a good decision. Um, I think that the, um, it probably does make sense for people to have 10% down for a condo. If I were running CMHC or the insurers, I would put it there. Um, but what, you know, Art needs to realize is that um, there is a very real risk that you'll run into uh, problems on closing condos. Uh, in fact, we have a real estate investor that we're doing a deal for now that has two pre-construction condos that are closing, um, and uh, it has been so difficult for um, him to get financing uh, because of his big portfolio and the fact that no one wants to touch these condos, um, that he's just moving the assignments. Um, I have been hard-pressed to see um, typical condos in big metropolitan markets. So I've seen some James Benson and Dave Bradica have a project they're doing in Kitchener-Waterloo. The numbers work on that. Um, I've seen a couple of them in Guelph, the numbers work on. Um, but I have not seen um, in major metropolitan centers a condo that actually comes anywhere close to following the RAIN model. So if you just want to collect condos, that's fine. But there's just no part of that that fits within the long-term real estate investing model that I have come across readily. Well, it's actually funny. I, I just something just came across my today, my desk today about um, high rise, high rise student rentals in um, Scarborough. That I looked at the numbers, and it was one of the first high rise condo that type of thing that I've seen. That the numbers are really, really strong, actually. Yeah, the but you know if they took the grow up out of the spare room, I wonder if it still works the same. That's the Dorito fund. Well, yeah, I mean they, that's Scarborough Campus U of T, right? That's going on there. That project you're talking about. Yes. Um, so the you know that's a that's a, a niche opportunity, and the one in Kitchener Waterloo that David Braddock and James Benson have uh, got a lot of rain members involved in. Again, it, you know I'm not saying they don't exist. I said readily, right? The, uh, right. You know they're also um, you know the uh, uh, Various life situations that are major exceptions, but uh, because of the high maintenance fee um, and uh, because of the fact that you've got you know building fees and and a number of other things um, and the uh, the way that they're structured, there's just a whole number of reasons why uh, they don't typically uh, make as much money. However, on the other side of that is that you know for someone who's time pressed, doesn't want to have a property manager and do some of the other things. I mean, there's no question that a condo is a pretty good maintenance-free lifestyle, and it's you know a pretty good main, reasonably maintenance-free way for someone to get into the real estate investment world. What would be your final send-off message you'd like to leave everyone with here before we sign off for tonight? Um, I, I think that if you know you're going to come to the Acre program. Um, I mean, even myself, the uh, it gets a little too overwhelming. I mean, you know, our team here, and I'm the worst at it, Jen, please me all the time, Callum, of the 72 things that you want to do, we can do five of them. Which other <laughs> ones would you like to give up? Um, so do the same thing. I mean, what are the, you know, two, maybe three maximum things that you need to work on? Um, and, you know, I can tell you that if it's around the personal finance or mortgage side, you know, you reach out to our office. We have more information to read on this stuff than they will ever want to cover. But if you go into that rain event and you try to absorb it all, um, you know, it just doesn't work. The, uh, you can't do that. So, you know, figure out the areas that you already got mastered, you know, the, uh, let yourself chill during that time period, attend the event, but just, you know, um, let your mind relax and then, you know, be there with a purposeful plan, uh, 
I know with certainty that, you know, if you have a real estate investment related question, concern, problem um, that uh, you go to that event for, there will be either the individual, the book, or the system that will be there to be able to fix it. Uh, and I know this because, you know, I, I've reached out to it. And uh, the um, point is that if you don't actually know what you're looking for when you go there, you're, you're going to get lost and you're going to come back and your problems aren't going to be solved. So, you know, figure out the one or two things that with the least amount of effort will have the most positive impact on your you know, your real estate investment business or your life. Um, and then, you know, the, um, why don't you sort out and go to that event with the knowledge that by the time you come away from it, you will have the tools, resource, or the information to, to take that off of your stress load. Wow. Fantastic. Thank you very much. What a wonderful message. So, Jennifer? Yes. Callum? Thank you, guys. I appreciate you taking your time. I know how both how busy both of you are, and I know it's you know coming on eight o'clock out out Eastern Canada way there, and you probably need to get home and spend some family time. So this is lunchtime. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still got four more hours <laughs> yeah. of work to do. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I wanted well, to thank you for your time. Thank you. Well, One other thing I would say us. that thank you, thank you for having us is that I do now have a LinkedIn uh, page. So if you don't want to have me on LinkedIn, I've got a LinkedIn company page. <clears throat> and our Facebook page is coming up. So I'm going to be I'm, I'm trying to put all the stuff up that I put up for the clients there. Um, so if people are still on the sidelines, you know, please go ahead and, you know, like my Facebook, uh, Callum Ross Mortgage, or uh, go into the, the LinkedIn profile for Callum Ross Mortgage. And it's, it is now active, and we're now putting up content there. And, uh, you know, you can expect that, you know, through through Russ and through Don and, and Patrick and, and uh, Richard, you know, we're, we're, we're working really hard in the background to put together some unbelievable content. And uh, people can expect some very, very cool things uh, that um, are uh, coming from the RAIN network. It's going to be better than it's ever been. And we're going to see a lot more of these type of events, aren't we, these these webinars? So. Well, the, uh, hopefully the people will let me come back on this again, so let's see. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thanks, Callum. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I hope everyone here got some benefit from it. If there's something I didn't cover, reach out to us. We're here to help you. And, uh, you know, if you've got a problem, we're, we're happy to solve it. Uh, it's what we do. Right on. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Russell Westcott from the Real Estate Investment Network signing off. Have yourself a wonderful night. How about that call? Russell and Callum really tied up the thoughts they had on last week's episode and surely left you with some new questions, which is a good thing because it means you're learning and it means you're thinking critically. If you haven't done it already, now's the time to set up a meeting with your mortgage broker, look at all the details of the properties you own now and see if you can optimize them. Then you're going to start planning for your next purchases so you're not left standing in the dust when the time comes to qualify for that next mortgage. Make sure you're prepared before you start looking for deals so that you don't get disappointed when the time comes to sign. Now, if you want to get in touch with Callum Ross, you can email him and his team at clientcare at callumross.com. You can hit him up on Twitter. It's at callumrossto, or search his name on Facebook and LinkedIn, and he's there to help you with all of your tough questions. So if you're at the point where mortgages are getting tougher to come by, maybe coming up with some creative financing and purchasing opportunities is going to be up your alley. We have a brand new event coming up on May 10th in Edmonton, Alberta, dubbed the Instant Cash Flow Machine. Now this is going to be an incredible event. Veteran lawyer, quick turn real estate expert Barry McGuire is leading an action-packed day of learning focused on strategies like lease options, rent-to-own deals, vendor financing, and way more. Great opportunity to come out and see what kind of buying opportunities there are in this tough mortgage market. Now, if you want more information or you're interested in purchasing a ticket for the event, check out our events calendar on www.raincanada.com 
or give us a call toll-free at 1-888-824-7346. As always, be sure to check us out online for more research, get the expert opinions, and read up on us at the Real Estate Insider blog. Find it at blog.myrainspace.com. Follow us for all your daily updates and conversation on Twitter. We're at Rain Canada, or catch us at one of the live events coming up next to you. For the Real Estate Insider Podcast and the whole crew here at the Real Estate Investment Network, this is Madison Norton saying later days. Thanks for listening and engaging with the Real Estate Insider Podcast, a bold look at reality. Share the reality.